The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. Special greetings to all of you listeners. So awesome you are. I get so many great emails, and you are so faithful listening to this show. You know, I just want you to know how much it means to me. And, oh, are you in for a special treat today? We have a great man on the show. I can truly tell you, you know, I know him extremely well, and he is so genuine. What I'm telling you about him is the real deal because he lives it. He lives it every day. He is just a wonderful human being who cares about people with disability. He cares about the disadvantaged. He cares about children who are in poverty and who are homeless. He is just a great friend to all of us. Dr. Joe Lagana, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be on again, Joyce. Well, it's glad to, we're glad to have you on again. And, and Dr. Lagana, you have dedicated your life to helping the disadvantaged and people with disabilities, and here's my question. Why is that? Because, you know, there are many good people in this world, but they don't all decide to go out and dedicate their life to doing all the wonderful things you do. Why, why, what made you different? Well, you know, I don't want to sound maudlin about it, but uh, really uh, it all comes from the way I was brought up. I had, a, uh, I had a mother and father, particularly a mother who was spiritually driven, and uh, she uh, brought me up on the idea and the belief through her own modeling that the uh, the best thing to do was to do things for others. She had a little motto about others before self, and she drilled that into me from a little little child all the way up, even till uh, to my adult life. She would remind me of that that need to do that. And she, she framed it in, in, the, uh, in the notion that uh, uh, we ought to be thankful to God for those gifts that we have. And the best way to do it is through acts of kindness and acts of uh, appreciation by actually helping people who are less fortunate, people who do have disabilities, people who are underserved, people who are under, underrepresented. And if, you know, if I, I think about that in my life, uh, I've had to deal with those with children like that throughout my career, my 50-year career, and uh, so uh, that message is in my mind from my mother. It was a spiritually driven thing, and and uh, it comes easy, it comes natural, and the smiles that I get back and and, and the affirmation from just a, uh, a warm hug, uh, it just makes it all worthwhile. You know what? That is so wonderful, and I, I'm very sorry about the recent passing of your parent, Dr. Joe. I'm sure that right now there's an angel looking down on you saying how proud they are. Yeah, I'm sure, and, and my, mom, my mom was always proud of that because she could see her own teaching coming out in some of the things that I did uh, with children who were less fortunate, particularly the last 20 years of my career were... I worked with children with disabilities and their families, and that great, gave me great pleasure. It was very difficult, challenging work as uh, IDEA and some of the federal laws started to roll out. 
it wasn't easy those first uh, 20 or 30 years of uh, those acts, but uh, remembering uh, you know the, the the lessons taught by my mom and uh, the mission of the church and all of that just made it natural. It just seemed to be the right thing to do. It felt good, and uh, it, it was the thing that inspired me all the time. That is wonderful. You know what? That, isn't that a good lesson too for all of you listening to the show? If you have children. You're the role model. You know, Marla Thomas, when she spoke at Carlo University years ago, she said, there is always a little child watching what you do, and you can be such an influence on that little child, just as Dr. Joe Lagana's parents were on him. Don't you agree with that? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, our kids are always watching, and they're, they're, they're learning lessons that we don't intend sometimes for them to learn and that's why we have to be mindful and conscious of what we do what we say and uh and the attitudes that we have it's oftentimes what isn't said uh that also is a lesson uh that's that's picked up by children well dr joe right now you're heading up the homeless children's education fund can you tell our listeners what that is and when and why it was founded Absolutely. I'm delighted to share that. Uh, about nine years ago when I started to think about retirement from uh, work in the public schools, I decided that I wanted to still continue to work in the community, working with children who, who were underserved and underrepresented. And uh, so the, the attention that I got was to look at uh, the situation in which homeless children uh, live in the existing shelters in our county. And I discovered that there were 17 uh, shelters that uh, would have uh, children and their mothers living there for some length of time, varying from anywhere from uh, uh, 30 days to two years. And as I uh, went around and observed uh, those shelters, I discovered that there was very little attention being given to the education of the children. The major focus was on the moms, and most of the money that came into those shelters were dedicated to redevelopment of the mom or getting the mother back into the workforce or getting her back on a standard where she could be on her own. But very little attention was given to the children who were with her. And so I went to the county and explained what I had seen through my observations, and they did a point-in-time study that identified that at any given moment there might be 600 children living in those 17 shelters. And basically at that time uh, there was a really a lack of clarity in terms of the role and responsibility of the school district to educate those children. So I got some of my friends and colleagues together. We started the Homeless Children's Education Fund, uh, uh, we, we developed a, uh, a fundraising mechanism, and we also started to define how the school districts could assume a greater responsibility for the education of these children. And as a result of that, we were able to help get the McKinney-Vento amended, the McKinney-Vento amendment amended, and that clarified uh, for across the country the responsibilities of schools and educating children who find themselves living with their mom in a homeless shelter. So that's how we got it started nine years ago. And uh, at the present time, we have been able to build 
uh, within those existing shelters a resource center uh, that is is uh, stocked with uh, wonderful books and software, print and non-print materials such as globes, uh, maps, uh, other kinds of instructional materials that would supplement and complement their work in school. Uh, in nine of the 17 shelters, we actually have a learning center, which is fully equipped with with computers, uh, which are digitally connected to the library so the children don't have to leave the shelter once they get home or during the summer or uh, in the evening. So that's that's a real quick four- or five-minute summary of why we did it and, and, and what we did. And, again, just so everyone understands, there there are shelters across Allegheny County with children across there, and you at your location, is this just your administrative offices then, or do you also have people that stay where you are located? Well, we uh, we have a very small office with uh, two full-time staff, and I'm a, I'm a volunteer uh, every day. But essentially, we have a, a large cadre of volunteers. Uh, we don't have any children in our office. We we actually travel to the shelters to do our work. That's what I mean. Just so everyone understands, you're you're helping children at all of those shelters, right? At, which is just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I think that is so great because sometimes we forget that that homeless parent has a child, right? And you know what happens to them? Well, what we're also finding, Joyce, is that uh, during the course of any year, uh, it's estimated that we touch the lives of about 3,000 children uh, that, that work their way through those shelters. And uh, that's not to talk about those who are living doubled up uh, with families. This is people who actually go through the shelters. But what I want to also point out, and my keen interest is that a large number of these children uh, do have disabilities. They do. They do uh, w- w- the percentage we're estimating is somewhere between 50 and 60 percent have some sort of disability, and and a lot of it is uh, because they they weren't nurtured properly. They didn't have the environment uh, to help the wiring of their brain the way it should have been. Uh, and many of them are developmentally delayed. Uh, many of them have seen a lot of tragedy in their life, violence in their life. A lot of these are inhibitors to the learning process. Many of the moms are disabled, have disabilities. And uh, so uh, my, my keen interest here is not only those who are underserved because they're homeless, but uh, I, I'm back again working with children and, and moms who themselves have disabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? Tony Coelho has said often that almost 40% of people with disabilities have epilepsy. Wow. You can imagine if you're homeless and you do not have health care, yeah. yeah. no matter what the disability would be, how terrible that would be. Yeah. Yeah, these, these folks uh, do not, in most cases, have proper health care, and that's one of the things that we try to get the shelters to work on is to get them onto a health program for their children. Their lives sometimes are so complicated they don't even think about their health, and they don't realize what an inhibitor uh, not having glasses or not having their teeth fixed or not having the right kind of nutrition, how that inhibits them from being successful in school. Even the moms themselves don't quite understand that because they're under such pressure and crises that they don't really seek out the proper health care and nutrition 
or regular regular visits to the to the dentist or to the eye doctor. It's, that's so far removed from most of them, unless unless we give them that opportunity, unless we encourage them, unless we inspire them to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you. We have a question for you from Melinda in Philadelphia, and the question is. Uh, Dr. Lagana, it's wonderful what you're doing to help people that many people avoid or forget about. My question is, will there be other locations across the country for your organization? Well, we think uh, we've learned a lot of lessons, Linda, and thanks for the question. Uh, we've learned a lot of lessons, and we're still learning, and we have a lot more to learn. Uh, working with homeless children and their moms, is not a sexy kind of thing. It doesn't. It doesn't resonate with a lot of people, and it's hard to get uh, an advocacy position uh, out in the open where people start to gravitate to try to help. It's very hard work to do that. We're hoping that the work that we do, uh, in some way or another, gets the attention of other areas of the state and hopefully uh, elsewhere. Uh, we are participating in the national conference uh, in Portland, Oregon, in November, where we will have an opportunity to tell our story. And, and we want to tell our story elsewhere, but we're not so sure that what we've done is replic- uh, can be replicated uh, that easily. Uh, but by advocating that there are ways to supplement and complement the public schools, uh, we're hoping that we can stimulate people to think about ways in their own communities it may not be modeled after what we do, but it may get them to think about models that work for them. And, and yes, we, we were hoping to keep the conversation going. Uh, we're hoping to keep the buzz going. We're hoping that our advocacy work at the national level with uh, the National Organization of Homeless uh, Folks uh, will help. Uh, so thanks, Linda, for that question. Well, that is great. And if you want to know more about HCEF, how do they get there, Dr. Joe? What's the website? Well, we're, we're delighted. Uh, we have a website person uh, who has done a great job now in her retirement. Uh, the, the website is uh, is uh, jlagana at uh, homelessfund.org, homelessfund, F-U-N-D, uh, .org. Homeless Fund is all one word, and uh, it can be www.homelessfund.org. My email is j, j is in Joe, j Lagana, L-A-G-A-N-A, at homelessfund.org. Okay, so if they go to homelessfund.org, they can make a uh, contribution. They can make a contribution, but uh, just as important and maybe more important they can get a much uh, more elaborate definition of what we do. And uh, they'll see pictures of the children we serve, uh, those that are, were allowed to take pictures. Uh, uh, they will get an idea of what, uh, what we do with the money that we raise in terms of mini-grants. They will get the, get an idea of uh, the, what we call the Pack to School Project, which is a uh, we give every student uh, uh, a backpack to start school with. This past year, we collected 3,000 backpacks and filled them with the help of our partner, Citizens Bank. Uh, Citizens Bank has been terrific. And we, we, we gave every shelter enough backpacks filled 
that every child who finds themselves going through a shelter this year will actually have one of those book, book bags. And that is so awesome. And by the way, thank you to Citizens and to Ralph Papa, another great man. But right now we're going to go to break. We are talking to Dr. Joe Lagana, founder of the Homeless Children's Education Fund. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again. 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure, what's up? Um, there's this girl I kind of like. Well, if there's one thing I know, it's women. Really? Well, they didn't call me velvet for nothing. I don't get it. Smooth. I was smooth. Oh. Anyway, it's easy. You just got to impress her. Show her how strong you are. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? I don't know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt, if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, Ugh! Try it. Ugh! 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 <laughs> See, there you go. And you should dress up. Start wearing a shirt and tie. I'll look like a dork. No, you'll look successful. Okay. And finally, you can start using my cologne. <clears throat> the ladies love it, so don't be shy. Splash it on. Thanks, Dad. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To find out how you can adopt, please visit our website at adoptuskids.org or call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in 
every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. And you are so fortunate today because we have a great guest. His name is Dr. Joseph Lagana, founder and CEO of the Homeless Children's Education Fund, helping those for frequently, I'm sorry to say this, left out. I mean, I know, I think it was your, you and I have a very close friend, Linda Dickerson, the CEO of the National Aviary, who when she told me the number of people in the United States homeless who were children, which was in the millions, I was astonished. Yeah, there, uh, there's an estimate of uh, close to 2 million children who find themselves in a homeless situation every year. In Philadelphia, for example, uh, uh, Pills, Pittsburgh, as I said, there's about 3,000 a year in Pittsburgh that go through those shelters, but Philadelphia is estimated around 25,000. So oh. you, you can imagine what happens uh, in Los Angeles and what happens in uh, some of the larger cities like Chicago and New York. And they, don't, they don't even have numbers, and that's part of the big problem that we have. Is we, when we go for funding, the funders, of course, are investors, and they want to know numbers. They, they want you to to define the problem by numbers, and it's very difficult to do that. Uh, so uh, what, we're working very hard on, on trying to get our grip, a grip on numbers, and uh, we have no idea whether 2 million is the right number or not across the country. It could be, could be 4 million for all we know. Right, because it's so difficult right. you know, to keep track of all of this, and it is so sad. It is so sad. And I'm glad that you're doing something about it. Now, Dr. Lagana, you talked about something earlier that I'd like you to talk more about, and that is the learning centers. You you have learning centers at these different shelters. Can you explain what that is? Well, uh, where there is space in the shelters, uh, whenever a shelter decides that they have ample space for us to create a learning center within the shelter, uh, we... uh, generate the revenue through fundraising to, to uh, put together an ideal uh, learning environment for children to use after school on the weekends or, and also in the summer. And basically, they're equipped with uh, uh, computers uh, and uh, also printers and all, the, all of the peripherals that would be needed uh, to give them a learning environment that would be very similar to what a normal child would have in a typical home. And uh, each of the shelters being very different, none of them are exactly alike, uh, they, they have after-school programs that, are, uh, that, that make sense for them. And uh, some have uh, tutors come in and work with the children. 
some actually have a part-time person on staff that actually works with them to do their homework. And there are attempts to try to connect uh, the shelter to the school. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, these shelters are connected digitally to the libraries. We think that that's an important connection. So one of the goals we're working on for 2008 is to get uh, our librarians, who are one of our biggest supporters, uh, the Allegheny County Library Association, uh, wants to be a partner with us to go in and work with the moms and the shelter staff to show them how to use the materials that are there, uh, using the mother as the first teacher, and getting the mom excited about the learning process. Uh, so we're looking forward to that in 2008, and we, we have some funding possibilities to make that happen. But that's exciting. Now, the other shelters that don't have the learning centers usually don't have the space, so we're not able to do that for them. Uh, but as the space becomes available, we will try to get the money to, uh, to install and create and build one of those learning centers. Wow. And you know what? You had mentioned earlier the part about, um, you know, not having to leave, you know, when you're doing your work. That must make such a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely, it does. Uh, relationships are everything uh, uh, in making some a project like this work. Uh, I think going into a strange city where you have to prove yourself, your credibility, uh, would be uh, it would be a long time before something like this could develop. But uh, the fact that I've been a native of Pittsburgh for 50 years and uh, have done all of my work in this county and know most of the uh, people who are associated with the shelters and with the shelter system and the county government and the state government, uh, I'm able to make those phone calls and and, uh, and use my experiences of 50 years to bring them into the process. So I'm blessed that that's happening, uh, and it just makes my retirement uh, very exciting. I look forward to getting up every morning and, and getting out and seeing what else we can do for these kids. Well, we have a question for you here from a Denise in New York. And Denise would like to know, Dr. Lagana, would you mind telling me the children that you are dealing with at HCEF, I am sure that many of them have behavioral or emotional issues. Do you have to have them see a child psychologist, or how do you deal with those issues? Well, we, uh, we work with the shelter staff to make the necessary contacts with the school. There, there, is a, there is a liaison that's provided by the state that uh, helps make uh, that connection between the shelter and the school. And so the school that the children would attend uh, would have the responsibility for the appropriate testing and appropriate placement. Uh, if they needed an IEP, that would all happen through the normal process. And so uh, through the McKinney-Vento Act, uh, there is uh, there are liaisons who are paid for through McKinney Vento money to make that strong connection between the shelter and the local school and to get those kinds of helps uh, going as the children need them. The difficulty is, uh, and I can tell you that not all of it works perfectly because these children are transient. Uh, they may be in one school for 30 days. They may be in actually four or five different schools throughout a year, a total, uh, 
moving from one, one school to another. And the records don't always follow them. Uh, and the moms don't always necessarily know what their rights are. Uh, it's, it's like many moms who have children with disabilities don't know what their rights are. So we try to clarify for the moms in the shelter what their rights are and to get them to uh, request uh, the services that, that the children need. We try to help the moms understand that they have a right to uh, these services. Oh, well, that is great. And I, I would have to think, Dr. Joe, that being there, being helped like this, would also help people so much. Well, I think so because uh, moms are uh, these moms are in crises, and their focus basically is how are they going to survive, how are they going to financially care for their children, uh, and and so education isn't the most important thing on their priority on survival. Uh, but if we can get them to stop for a moment and to think about the fact that the long term value of education is the way out. It is the way out for the mom, and, and it is the way out for the children. These children oftentimes are very, uh, they're very normal, uh, despite the fact that they may have a learning uh, deficiency. They're beautiful children. They're eager. They're motivated in most cases. They want to go to school. And, and uh, if we can help the mom get them into school, chances are the teachers can do the good work that they normally do with any child. But for too many years, for too many years, uh, these children sat in the shelter for days upon days watching television. We've shifted that now to a focus on education and the, the importance of education. And, I, and I'm delighted with the moms who are learning with their children on these learning centers. Sometimes when they take the children down to work on a computer, they're on the computer sitting next to them doing maybe a GED practice uh, or maybe they're doing a resume for a job or maybe a letter for a job, so they're learning together, and that's a wonderful thing. Yes, yes, it is a wonderful thing. And with that, we're going to go to break for a minute. You're listening to my guest, the founder of the Homeless Children's Education Fund, a great man, Dr. Joseph Lagana. We'll be right back. You're listening to America's Voice, where disability does matter, with Joyce Bender on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We're coming back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood Jet Set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with president of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors 
sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. You know, I'm thinking here about Dr. Lagana who is my guest today, Doctor? I call him Dr. Joe, Dr. Joseph Lagana. I'm thinking about him and what a wonderful person he is, and I'm thinking about how earlier in the show that, you know, we were mentioning different people we both know and how we think so highly of them. And, you know, it's amazing that all these people that are close friends and that admire each other and love each other so much, all have something in common. You know what that is? Giving back to others. Did you notice that, Dr. Joe? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think our friends are givers. And, uh, you know, the world is basically divided into givers and takers. And and uh, I, I, I'm delighted that, that our, our circle of friends are givers. And it's wonderful because uh, it's just nice to be around folks who who have that spirit. Well, you know what made me think of it? Years ago, I heard uh, David Shapiro's wife speak, uh-huh. and he, David Shapiro, CEO of uh, the Giant Eagle chain, and she said it was at a, I think it was at a United Way event, and she made this statement. She said, "Even if I don't know you, and even if we've never met before, I know I would like you, just because you're at this event." Wow. And, you know, of course, what she meant is that certain types of people that, you know, want to help the homeless and want to help people with disabilities and want to help the disadvantaged. And those are the people that I know I gravitate toward, and I know you're the same way, but I was just thinking it's, you know, all similar, the similar trait, as you just said, is giving back. And that's one thing I want to tell you about this man, Dr. Joseph Lagana. He is all about giving back. I admire him so much. And, Dr. Joe, we were talking about that learning center. Do you have an example of a success story or something that comes to your mind that happened there? Yeah, I, you know, they're, they're not uh, the kind of successes that you'd find on the front page of any newspaper or anything like that. But uh, last uh, last year, the, the year before, we had the, fir- the first student that actually were, was able to go through the GED uh, program and reach their diploma, and now uh, is in, they're now in their second year at community college doing very, very well. Now, this is a homeless kid that came in off the street uh, at the age of about 18 and uh, daily came into the learning center to learn how to use a computer, got hooked up with the GED training program, and is now doing very, very well. 
Uh, you know, that's probably one of the better stories that I could tell you. Uh, there, a lot of the kids who, a lot of the children that we deal with, particularly the older ones that are drop-in, uh, ones that don't live in the one shelter that I'm thinking about that are older, uh, have all kind of uh, uh, gender issues, uh, sex-related issues. And uh, what, what they're able to do using the computer is to find help uh, on their own using the computer, uh, getting uh, a better insight into what might be wrong with them or what, what they might do to help themselves. And I have personally actually seen uh, young people, uh, 18, 19, 20 years old, coming in off the street using the computer and then finding that they can go to a, a clinic for help. Uh, and, and so those to me might sound like a small accomplishment, but uh, those come to mind immediately. Uh, another thing is we had a student last year who graduated from one of the best high schools in the city, uh, Taylor Alderdice. She was a, sh- a homeless child living with her mother, uh, 3.7 average, was not able to find enough money to get into community college, uh, was not able to even take the test. Uh, and when we found out about it, we were able to help her in both of those situations to get into community college. Now, here's a child with an IQ of about 125 that would have probably been a wasted talent. It would have been a shame to have that uh, to have that lost. We now feel very good about the fact that she's attending community college. Oh, that is so great. That is wonderful. That is, Well, you know that other story you told, too, about the GED? You were saying that, you know, the young man that got his GED... Right. That is a big story. That is a big story. I'll tell you what. I I can tell you I bet all the angels rejoiced when that happened. That is to me a great yeah. story. And you know, you know Joyce where where my office is, we're right in the heart of uh the produce and uh, uh commerce uh, part of the city. And occasionally uh we'll get a student, uh, we'll get a young person who's been homeless and and we can hook them up with one of the warehouses. And occasionally I get uh, feedback from the warehouse men or women saying, you know, they really work hard, uh, but I know they're moving on. They're moving to Columbus or they're moving somewhere else. But that makes me feel good that these kids are willing, some of these kids are willing to actually take a job on, take on responsibility, earn some money, uh, and, uh, and, you know, still uh, keep an attitude that's positive. So that's what inspires me from day to day to keep doing it because we, we don't have successes every day. We don't have a lot of successes. But uh, my, my hope is that we're reducing the possibility of these kids getting into the juvenile justice system. That's my hope, that if we, if we give them hope and that they can take positive steps in their life to take another path rather than the path of maybe what their uh, mom and dad had, uh, that that maybe we can reduce uh, the burden on our society. Well, you know, I know, Dr. Lagana, that when you are homeless, it carries a great stigma, especially for a child. I'm thinking about that child going to school, and there, as you mentioned, there are so many homeless children in the United States. And how, how many are there in Allegheny County? Well, in Allegheny County, at any given time, it's probably about 600. 600. Yeah. 600. That's 600 too many. Yeah. But it, but my question is, isn't that hard for them if they didn't have like you know like you're providing them with so many things? 
You talked about those uh, backpacks before and things like that, that you're provide to t- reduce that stigma. Because I would envision that if you go to school and you didn't have the clothes or you didn't have whatever, that, you know, it w- you would be ostracized. Oh, absolutely. A- absolutely. The, I had an example this past uh, two weeks ago where uh, a 13-year-old boy uh, I found out was didn't want to go to school. And when I dug down deep inside that, I discovered he had no shoes. He was walking around with 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 just white socks on, and uh, there was no way he was going to go to school. So uh, I happened to have with me that day when I visited that shelter one of the Steelers, and uh, of course the Steeler immediately said that he would get him a pair of sneakers. But you know, it, it, you can imagine if you don't have a pair of shoes, you're certainly not going to get on that bus or walk to school. And, and so these, you know, it sounds it sounds like a simple thing, but some of them, when they come into the shelter, have no underwear. Uh, uh, the moms come into the shelter; they don't have they have they don't have a pair of pajamas, and they're in the, in a single room with two or three children uh, in their underwear. So you know, you talk about self-esteem is one issue, but let's talk about privacy and let's talk about uh, the self-esteem of the mom uh, being exposed to her children uh, that way. So. Uh, we're really dealing with a lot of affective, a lot of feeling issues that are inhibitors to being a, an active participant in normal society. Oh, I can't even imagine it. That is what a story that even that one story is. But I know you're right. I know how, um, I know the stigma and I can't imagine how kids feel and how ashamed they are. And that's why so many children lie and make up things about where they live and everything because they don't want anyone to know that you know they're at a homeless shelter they live in fear uh, students have told me that they live in fear of being exposed in the school uh, and so when we work with the principals of the school uh, we try to get the principals to tell us the best way that they think their teachers can help because teachers oftentimes want to help but oftentimes they are they over uh, uh, they overcompensate for children who have a disability or, or for somebody who's homeless. That makes the problem worse. And, and so training teachers and getting teachers to have insight not to expose the, the homelessness or the disability to a point where everybody in the class knows about it, that's a very tricky thing because not everybody can handle that. Not everybody has the same sensitivity. So uh, we, we try to work with the principals to... Uh, to understand that some principals don't want their teachers to know. They don't want them to know. They don't want them to know that the children are homeless. How about that? And, and so that the shelter works directly with the principal, and the principal then works with the teacher, and does not expose the fact that the child's homeless, but makes sure the child gets the home homework, gets uh, the, the home visit, and not the home visit, but the uh, make sure that the mom comes to the school for a home uh, for. A, for a school visit. And so the principals, uh, I'm thinking of one champion principal that I know, she handles all of them. Uh, they all work through her. She does not want her staff to know because she, she's, she's so sensitive to the fact that the teachers may very well expose them to 30 other kids or 25 other kids. Wow. Now that, what a great, what a great principal that is. You, uh, yeah, she, she's definitely not only a champion, but she's an angel. I mean, she she knows, and she she stops by the shelter, talks to the shelter folks, 
uh, tries to figure out what other resource she can bring bring in. And those are the kind of champions that you know we hope to grow elsewhere. And and these are all different shelters. Uh, they're all different. All throughout Allegheny County. Right. And you don't work beyond Allegheny County then? No. We, occasionally we get calls from Westmoreland. We get calls from Beaver. We have a couple up in Armstrong, uh, people who call us for resources. And, you know, if we have it, we give it. You know, as long as we're helping a kid, we don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't care about the boundary. Uh, if we have an extra backpack, why not? Well, that is wonderful. That is just wonderful. And you're listening to Dr. Joseph Lagana. He is the founder of the Homeless Children's Education Fund and really a champion of hope for all these homeless children. We're so delighted to have him with us today, and we'll be right back with him in a couple minutes to close the show. You're listening to Joyce Bender. America's Voice on VoiceAmerica.com. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Albert Einstein once said, nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and free your mind, open your heart, and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcasts each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. We're with Dr. Joseph Lagana, today's guest, 
and he is the founder of the Homeless Children's Education Fund. But you know what? I was talking about something, and it's so amazing. You know, two of my favorite people in the world are Linda Dickerson and Dr. Joe Lagana. Okay, and two of other than helping people with disabilities get jobs and cooking. And, of course, my family and friends. You know what two of my favorite things are? Birding and gardening. And here we have it. I have Linda Dickerson as the CEO of the National Aviary. And I'm just finding out here Dr. Joe Legan is going to be moving up, taking on chairmanship at Phipps Conservatory. Is that right? Yes, right. See that? I'm excited about that. My two favorite things, flowers and birds, and there you are. (laughs) There you go to that common interest, right? (laughs) Yeah. There we go. And let me just say this. The National Aviary, I just joined that board. You guess how that happened. And I am so honored to be on that board. We have a National Aviary in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in case you don't know that. When you come here, you've got to go visit. And let me also say about Phipps Conservatory, it is beautiful. It is beautiful. I mean, the, oh, the flowers, the everything they have, there's just breathtaking. Another place you should stop and see. So there, a little ad while we're talking about these two places. Yeah, the, the Fitz Conservatory is the most uh, energy-efficient uh, glass house in the world. It has been uh, labeled that, and uh, it's a green building. It's got the LEED certification, so uh, we're very proud that it's also a leader in terms of uh, clean environment, healthy environment, and uh, besides being beautiful and inspiring with the flowers, we now have uh, Del Shahuli's glass exhibit there, which uh, if people haven't seen it, uh, they've got to they've got to make a point to see the Shahuli glass exhibit. We're open four nights a week, uh, and uh, it's just just delightful and romantic and all of that in the evening. And see that well, here we are. Whether you're in Las Vegas or Maine. We're right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with all these great things to offer. So don't forget about it when you visit Pittsburgh. But, Dr. Joe, before we finish the show, getting back to that Homeless Children's Education Fund, I wanted to ask a couple questions. First, anyone listening to the show may be interested to know, how do you receive your funding, and what can we do to help? What can the listeners do to help? Well, uh, people can go right online and donate. There's, uh, uh, that's an easy way if, if that's what they're so prone to do. Uh, if they're interested in doing that, they can go there and, and donate right online. We get many people who do that. We find people who are now starting to remember us in their wills and are bequeathing uh, gifts to us that way, and, and we can provide information uh, on how to do that. Uh, the, the other the other ways to help, obviously, our funding is through grant writing. We have a very good grant writer, in Je- Jennifer uh, Vickers, and uh, she has been very successful in getting us uh, grants from a variety of sources, corporations, uh, state, federal uh, agencies. Uh, once we once uh, we get out in the community and tell our story and make the case, uh, funding becomes it's not easy, but it becomes available. And uh, we find also corporations, I'll mention one in particular, the Mazzaro Corporation, that built our first learning center pro bono when they found out what we were doing, said, look, we want to be part of that. If you don't have any money, we'll do it for you. Uh, and, and then, you know, so uh, 
we got started that way. And so there's a lot of pro bono services. As you were saying, Joyce, Pittsburgh is a great city. It's uh, The people are very generous, and corporations are very eager to help. Uh, once we make the case, uh, they're, 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 they're willing to come in, come in and do that. We have a major fundraiser in March called the Champions for Children, and that's where we get most of our operating funds. Uh, uh, so that's, uh, that notice is already on the, uh, on the website uh, at uh, www.homelessfund.org. Uh, 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 and and uh, uh, so there's a lot of information. There's ways that people can help volunteer. Uh, we, we always have an interest in that. So those are some simple ways. Well, I hope if you're listening, you'll take time to go to that website and make a contribution. You're helping a child, and many of those children are children with disabilities. Don't forget to take time to make that contribution. Now, Dr. Joe, I've asked this question to everyone, including you before, but I'm still going to ask you again, because for the past four years, everyone who's been on this show, I asked these last two questions. So, you know... Many things have happened to you in your life, even since we last spoke to you. You've won so many awards, I can never keep up with all of them. I know there's one coming up this week, as a matter of fact, so that gives you an idea of how many awards this man has won. My question is, what do you consider your greatest accomplishment? Well, I guess as I look back over 40 years of a professional career in education, uh, probably establishing uh, this fund probably is the biggest accomplishment because I was able to pull together all my experiences from 40 years and get it focused on an underserved, uh, underrepresented population. And uh, not many people were able to do that at the end of their professional career uh, where they get paid for that work. I've been able to turn that into a, uh, a, a, a work of love uh, as a result of all of the experiences that I learned in the community, all the relationships that I have in the community. So I would have to say probably as I look back, that's that's probably the greatest accomplishment is making people in our great community aware of the underserved, underrepresented uh, children who really need their attention. Well, what a great thing you've done. Think how many children you're helping. Think how many lives you have possibly saved because, as I said before, to be homeless and be a child is a terrible and a dangerous thing. How wonderful it is to have not only a shelter but a way to go to school and be supported and really feel like everyone else. So what you have done is wonderful. And we all congratulate you and also, Dr. Joe, Thank you so much for what you're doing and have done to help people with disabilities. Well, thank you, Joyce. Uh, you know, I, I, you do great work as well, and I, I want to come right back at you. Uh, without your support over the years and helping me to get the conversation going and, and to make my case in front of some of your friends, we wouldn't have the funding that we have to do what we do. Being an advisor on our board is uh, is really helpful. Your name means a lot in this community, and uh, it means a lot not only for the underserved, but also for those children who do have a disability. And the role model that you play, uh, and, and, and the way you've lived your life, and turning your disability into an asset, 
is just a marvelous model, and it's one which uh, makes me proud to know you as a friend, colleague, and, and uh, I couldn't be happier. Well, the feeling is mutual. Dr. Lagana, what message would you like to leave today with our listeners? Well, I guess uh, the, the simple message is, again, others, you know, do to others uh, before yourself. Uh, be, be aware of the guy on the street who's homeless, although we don't deal with the street homeless. Just a smile might make his or her day. Uh, encourage them to get help in one of the agencies, but a smile, whether they're homeless or not, a smile to a, a child with a disability, a smile to someone who maybe is having a rough day, uh, just give a smile makes makes a, makes a big difference in a person's life. All in how true that is, is since we talked about the homeless, and we always end with a quote from a famous civil rights leader or leader internationally, here it is today. The suffering of some can be blamed on the greed of others. The material and physical suffering is suffering from hunger, from homelessness, from all kinds of diseases. But the greatest suffering is being lonely, feeling unloved, having no one. I have come more and more to realize that it is being unwanted that is the worst disease that any human being can ever experience said Mother Teresa. Oh, wow. And with that, we'll see you next week. Dr. Joe, thank you for being with us, and good luck to you. Thanks, Joyce. Thanks for having me on. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice on VoiceAmerica.com. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.